The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 95 of the MX Vice Show podcast. We finally got MXGP action to talk about. One week later than planned, but hey, it all worked out just fine in the end. We had good racing, good conditions, and a lot of surprises, which we will get into on this episode of the MX Vice Show podcast. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host as per usual, and I would not be here if it wasn't for the support of companies like Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, the Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armor Nutrition. Those companies are loyal supporters of MX Vice and this podcast show. So if you'd like this show to continue, and I would sincerely hope you do, give them some support, show them some love, and then it all it all comes back to us and helps out in the end. Trust me. We've got a lot of uh, the normals coming up on this show, like Liat Ask Vice Anything, the Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week. There are Armour You Smarter Than a Birth questions prepared, so maybe we will get to those. But first, a lot of MXGP talk, a lot of MX2 talk, because a lot happened over the weekend. Part one of the MX Vice show is presented by our friends at Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet from Fly Racing has changed the game. Over the weekend, in Massey Basin, you would have seen the Hitachi KTM fueled by Milwaukee riders using the Fly Racing Formula helmet, uh, Isaac Gifting and Kai Castmakers, uh, Conrad Muse as well. And then this weekend, as EMX 250 kicks off, you'll see Rick Elzinger and Andrea Bonacorsi using Fly Racing Formula helmet and Fly Racing gear as well. So should be a lot of Fly Racing success in Europe this year based on, uh, based on the riders' performances over the weekend. We'll get into that. And the man I will get into that with is James Burfield. How are you, James? Uh, good, thank you, Lewis. Uh, fresh from Matterley. Was a little chilly. Uh, took me about two days to fall out. But um, yeah, it was good. Good weekend, I thought. It was the coldest weekend of my life. Like, uh, Vulcan Swad, when it snowed, was not as cold as that. I strongly believe that. Uh, where most of us were wearing, uh, you know, maybe like a, a thermal T-shirt, um, you know, even so- something crazy like a coat. Uh, Lewis was walking around Matterley with like minus two wind uh, chill factor with um, a denim jacket and uh, a hoodie. So uh, if you want to know why it was the coldest weekend, you just had to look at what you're wearing. Yeah, that, you could say that was a surprise, but maybe not. And similarly, 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 similarily, similarily, similarly, similarly, similarily, 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 similarily,
at Matley Basin. As I think everyone expected slash predicted, maybe a little more dominant than anyone would have thought. He came from sixth or seventh in the first race to win past everyone. Past everyone, his main competitors again in Moto2 to get into the lead. He crashed, which is maybe a little chink in the armor there, uh, exposed early on. He crashed, threw away the Moto win, but was undoubtedly the fastest rider and almost won it despite the crash. So, on the scale of worried about Tim Geyser domination, has Matterley made you more concerned that Tim Geyser is going to make this thing boring as hell? Or do you feel like he, the rest of the pack are closer to him? than maybe you thought going in? There was, uh, there, was, there was times when I was thinking, you know, Jeremy looked, Jeremy looked good. Maxine looked, looked good. Uh, Koldenoff looked, looked good. And then just when you think it was just going to be, you know, this is going to get interesting, it's just that turn of speed, how he's able to just, just I don't know, just just within sectors, find that like half a second over everyone and just closes the gap and just takes all the fun out of it. Like he is going to be a killjoy. Guys are the killjoy this year. But um, you got to say, you know, fair play to him. Great performance, but I do think he's going to make this season boring. The thing is though, round one last year was even more dominant than this and it was a deeper field. Like Russia last year, if everyone remembers, and I'm sure they do, he went 1-1, like, ridiculous fashion. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Like, easily the best race of his career ever. One of the best races maybe of all time. Like, he was that good. And obviously, that didn't continue and become a consistent thing. So maybe this is just around one thing. Everyone looks at Matterley as um, a track that suits Geyser. Everyone looks at it as his place. He hasn't actually won. This is his first overall win there since 2016. So That's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like, yeah. my, I, saw, I saw that. I read it, I saw it with my own eyes, but yeah, I still didn't really believe it because like how I don't really understand how that's possible, but there you go. But yeah, despite not winning there since 2016, you would think of Matterley as a geyser track. So maybe that change is coming up, but then he's good at Mantova, he's good at Argentina. So yeah, this could be a little role here, which I think no one will be surprised by because we did kind of see this coming. Yeah, we talked about this on, uh, on, on, on last week's show. I, th- I think with that pressure off of Hurlins, um, I think we're just going to see the best best of Geyser. I think he's going to go um, the first four rounds. I think it's going to be hard for anybody else to um, to steal that uh, top of the podium from him. Prado looked good. Um, just, I don't know, not sure. Not, looked good, but um, just the way he celebrated, um, there seemed to be a lot behind the celebration when I was, when I was watching it. it was, I don't know whether it was relief or belief. Um, I'm not sure, but it was like that. That uh, that win meant a lot. But I just, I don't know. I just, I just feel like Geyser could possibly do what Hurlin's done and in, in, in open up like a, a 40, 50 point lead by um, you know, round, round five. Prado was Prado was ecstatic, very happy. I was surprised how happy. But then Prado is like that. Prado is a he wears his heart on his sleeve. You, there's never really a doubt as to how Prado is truthfully feeling about a situation. It's always quite obvious in the way he acts and the way he speaks. He was very happy. He said he's never started a season this well, which is true because uh, his rookie season in MXGP, he broke his femur in the off-season and had one or two weeks on a bike before round one, so that was rough. And then last year at the start of the season, he was struggling with long COVID. So, 
in his mind, and this does make sense, in his mind last year, he started with long COVID. He'd lost a lot of points to begin with. And by the halfway mark, he was basically tied with the series leader. So I guess in his mind, he's like, well, hang on. This time I'm starting with a second overall. This is way better. This year, I've never experienced a start like this. I'm miles ahead of where I've been every other year. What? This is amazing. So I understand why he is happy and why this is a big deal to him. But also on the flip side, guys, that did give him a bit of a beatdown. He did. Um, on top of that, when I was walking back uh, to the media center after, uh, there was um, Prado um, and his girlfriend sort of walking back from the media center. And like, I was a little bit away, but kind of like seeing who it was and, and everything else. And, and he was kind of like whooping and high-fiving his girlfriend and just like really, really beaming, like super, super happy. No one's yeah, around. Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. You can yeah, really it, tell how he feels about things. Yeah, like I, I, that result the weekend, even though it was second overall and he, he did take the win um, in the second race, that meant so much. I, did, I, I didn't realize, I, when I seen him cross the line and, and seen the celebration, it was interestingly behind when no one was looking, it was how he was celebrating as well um, and how happy he was. And that really kind of took me, took me back a little bit. But um, yeah, I've I got to say, everything I've seen from Geyser, the weekend just said to me, uh, there's your 2022 20, champion. Well, let's hope it's not that done this early, but you know. Uh, easy to forget, Prado was injured at the end of last year. So he did have to miss quite a lot of bike time at the beginning of the off-season. Whereas guys like Geyser would have obviously had a full off-season with no reason to even think about needing more time off. So that's something as well. Prado like, had a shorter off-season, so maybe this takes a little while just to build up. He did one less off-season race than Geyser, so maybe like... He's maybe just one more race or two more races gets, gets the uh, rust knocked off a little bit. You never know. Like, Prado looked good. He was fine and normal good starts. So that puts him in a good position. And like, he held Geyser off in a second moto. So I, don't, I, I still think Prado is going to be in this for the championship. But just Geyser did look like the very best Geyser, which means we need the very best Prado to back, match him at least. One one thing I did see from uh, from kind of following guys around a little bit in in, in, uh, in being in the pits in in the event the weekend, it seems that Honda have are trying to increase the the Geyser brand, as in uh, making Geyser more um, approachable for fans, uh, making him more kind of connected to the fans. There really was uh, a massive effort. Uh, the weekend, he was having photos taken with pretty much everyone. Um, he was doing shirt giveaways. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like it seemed to be like a, a huge charm offensive by um, Honda and HRC for Geyser this weekend. Did you notice that at all? I don't know. I will say that Geyser is always that guy. Like he is always a guy who will stand outside his camper three hours after the race, signing things and talking to people. And like he has always been that guy where he probably does too much. He, t- he talks to people too much and he spends too much time with fans. And like, I saw him after the race. Um, probably was an hour and a half after the race. And same thing. It was pitch black and he was stood there signing things for a couple of fans who were still in the pits. So he has always been that way a little bit. But maybe, maybe it's a, mm. maybe it's a new, maybe, it's, maybe there's more emphasis on it now. Definitely. Talking, talking bike setup, Honda over here, 
HRC team here said that they haven't really experienced any of the same problems that HRC in America are struggling with at the moment, setup wise. Obviously, um, Sexton switched to X Trig triple clamps, and Roxon is just having a hell of a time. But guys are apparently is very happy, very comfortable, like not really much going on there as far as searching for things. Like he is pretty much where he needs to be. And on the same note, Prado, obviously, again, we've seen the struggles that people have had with the new KTM platform or the new Austrian platform, I guess you'd say, in America. But Prado said that he, he said, Prado said, yes, at first, I really struggled with it. It felt so different. The balance of the bike felt horrible. At first, it was, I did not gel with it at all. But he said, and I trust everything Prado says, because like I say, he wears his heart on his sleeve. You really, <laughs> he doesn't really hide anything. And he said that he kind of got to grips with it quite quickly after three weeks, a month. And now, hands down, it's the best bike he's ever ridden. He said it's amazing. He said he did not change one clicker all weekend from free practice to the second moto. He said, like, he genuinely said to me, both, I think it was on the record and off the record as well, that the bike is the best bike he's ever ridden. And he's insanely happy with everything right now. Wow. And spending some time under the Red Bull Gas Gas factory racing awning over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That definitely shows because there was a lot of happiness and like hugs and high fives and jokes and smiles all weekend under the awning. So Prado is in a good place. Prado is in a very good place right now. I don't think there's any problems to speak of, any, any weaknesses there, which makes me think that he'll only get stronger. And as he works out some of this rust, we will uh, get a more straight up battle between him and Geyser, which is what we all need because, you know, weak field, weak field. On the uh, chassis front, uh, interestingly, Honda had three options this year on the chassis. And, um, and they opted, there was uh, two were new and one was the uh, last year settings and um, they, they opted for one of the new ones. Look at you just coming in with an actual bit of knowledge. <laughs> I, try, I try, I try. I'm actually impressed with that. Well done, James. Well done. But it's funny. Round one yeah, does... Hang on, have I just thrown you? Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen very often, hey? It's funny. Round one is an anomaly. There are always surprises. Again, look at America. Roxham won round one and has done nothing since. So round one does spring some surprises. We'll get on to MX2. MXGP-wise, though, I kind of feel like it played out exactly as it should have. Because we knew that guys at Prado Sewer were the strongest three riders in the championship, healthy at the moment. Agreed. We, knew, we probably thought the guys that was a tick ahead of Prado, and we probably thought that Prado was a tick ahead of Sewer, which showed in the overall results. Maybe Sewer was closer than we would have thought. He would have won that first moto, I think, had he not crashed. Absolutely. And I think, um, I, think uh, I agree with you what you've just said. However, I don't think the results um, were quite right for Jeremy. His performance was way better than the results uh, give, were given. And he was third overall. Uh, like you say, was it last lap he crashed? Uh, second to last lap, penultimate Second lap. to lap last, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that would have been very different then. A completely different weekend. I think he's that close. I don't think he's that far away from, from those top two, like, like as we predicted. We're talking about how strong Geyser is and how dominant Geyser is. Had Sua not crashed, maybe Geyser wouldn't have won a moto. No. Which right. actually changes the picture completely and changes, changes the way you look at it completely as well. Yeah, he might, he might have got the overall sort of 2-2. Oh, yeah, he still um, would have got the overall with a 2-2. Yeah, but. 
but it would have been a very, it would have been a lot closer than we're 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 sort of talking about like guys. Yeah, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have poured, it wouldn't have given off like a vibe of dominance like it did do in the end anyway. That's an interesting interesting yeah. thing to think about. Sewer is working. I didn't actually know this. I was actually surprised that this had never come up. Sewer is working with Jackie Vim on this year. Ooh, so former hero of mine. Jackie Vimon was working with um, Kawasaki and specifically Fevra last year. Ben Watson the year before. Yep. Well, he was with Yamaha the year. He was with Yamaha the year before and then went to Kawasaki with Fevra and worked with a Kawasaki team. When Kawasaki moved to Ice One, Vimon moved out. Strybos obviously took that position. And uh, yeah, well, as soon as Sua found out that Vimon was available and not going to Ice One, Sua rung him up, did the deal, and. Yeah, Sua has Vimond all to himself this year. I think Vimond's working with an EMX 125 rider as well. But as far as world championship goes, yeah, Sua is all in with Vimond. Vimond wasn't actually there at the weekend because he had a... I think he was... He was either he was at a wedding or he was going or it was his wedding. But because of obviously the reschedule, it was meant to be a weekend off. But Vimond will now be at every round and it'll be interesting to see what that does for Sua because riders, Ben, Fevra definitely speak very highly of his um his training and keen eye i um i can remember watching jackie vimond um at farley castle absolutely destroying everybody on a 250 yamaha the guy was absolutely phenomenal on a bike um but a real nice guy off of it like uh so approachable um really really good guy and yeah you're right everybody speaks so highly of him i'm not gonna rant about how we should cancel the preseason races, but Renault was really good, but no one was surprised because we all basically got a spoiler to that in February. Yeah, I was super pleased with what I seen from him. It kind of, you know, reinforced what we, we were talking about last on last week's show. And at some points again in, in the you know qualifying and in um uh, the first race, he he looked so good. It's just I think it's just that uh that intensity on the four fifty for the full 40, 40 minutes. So I think the last kind of, once he works on that last sort of five, 10 minutes, um, which we've seen every rookie come up and they fade a little bit at the end of each race. I think once he's got that strength and he's able to carry that, that speed and momentum throughout the whole moto, we're going to see some very good results. Does Renault win a GP this year? 100%. I'm going 100%. no. Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen enough at Matterley to, to say it might be something like... Uh, a 3-1 or a 4-1 or something like that. I'm not saying he'll go 1-1, but he'll definitely win a GP. Race, 100%. GP, I would say, 90%. Uh, yeah, Moto, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, but I, think it will, I don't think it will be a 1-1 dominating fashion. I think it will be like a 4-1 or something See, like that. I would go the opposite way. If Renault, I think if Renault wins a GP this year, it will be a random day where he goes 1-1. Really? Yeah, if but I don't think he will win a GP this year. But if he does, I can see it happening on just a random day where he feels amazing, everything's incredible, and nothing, no one can stop him. Hmm. Um, but we will see. As I've said many times, Hurlings is coming back, Fevra's coming back, Jonas is coming back. You've got to act fast. If you want to win a GP in this class, uh, the opportunities will become quite slim in the not-so-distant future. So do not... Fuck around early on would be my advice. Get the opportunity where you can. Um, are we going to talk about Koldenhoff? Yeah, he had a rough winter, apparently. Uh, really rough. Apparently, he was sick a lot. Yeah. 
rough, win- rough winter, apparently. Uh, Moto1, I thought, was a result of that because it was absolutely horrific. He started top three and faded to ninth for no real reason. But then he made bike changes between Moto, key word there, because if we're fiddling with a bike between Motos and having this much of a drastic change, maybe we're similar to last year with our struggles. They fiddled with a bike between motos and came out and was a very strong third and probably the strongest he's been on the Yamaha. Yeah, 100% agree with that. He looked really good as well. So I don't know, because the first moto was probably the worst he's been on the Yamaha. So what do you do? I don't know what you do with that. No, I, well, um, I, I thought, I thought he, he looked good. You know, um, Even in the, the qualifying race, I thought uh, on the Saturday, I thought he looked good as well. Um, not sure what happened, like you say, with the the fading back of the um, you know first race, but second race was just like a yeah. It's that two sides, is it? Um, you know, like you see both sides of him in, in that's that's one side of, uh, of uh, Enough you see in race one, and that's a, a completely different person you see in race two. Crazy. I would just be concerned that that is a sign that he is still searching with the bike massively. Yeah, which is hard to fathom because um, when you think of how Renault is is performing and also Jeremy, it's I, I, yeah, but Renault has come off of basically the uh, Yamaha 250, so the same platform. It's still Koldenoff's thing. Of Koldenoff has been an Austrian guy basically his whole life. Still struggling. Yeah, do you think we're going to see a whole year of that, or do you think? No, I think he'll he'll be better this year. And like I say, he had a rough off season, which means. The fact that he had a rough off season means he'll actually only get better from here. And if he was already third in a moto in Moto Two on Sunday, then that means that better than that could be really good if he is yeah. really going to only get better. So there is actually potential here for this to go quite well quite soon. But we will see, I guess. Jury's out. Yeah, because he has got the speed, and and you know that it's like we've seen in second moto. We know that he's not that far away from find that little bit extra and, and then just winning motos. And then it's like, you know, again, we see a different type of Glenn. I think one of the, I think you, you kind of spoke like for about, I don't know, six, seven months of podcast shows saying how good um, you thought uh, Jed Beaton was going to be on, um, on, the, on the 450. And uh, I think everybody's seen that. Yeah, I, I, um... that was, one of, I think that was one of the performances of the weekend. I think it's important for riders to not be scared to move up earlier, to be honest, because I feel I kind of feel like Jed should have moved up two years ago now, seeing how he did on, or even last year. Seeing how he actually did in round one, I feel like maybe he was wasting his time trying to race MX2 for the last couple of years. He's always been a bigger guy anyway, so... Um, yeah, just looked at home. It looked like it, it did, definitely didn't look like it was his first GP on a, on a 450. I was super impressed. And also... Um, you know, typical Australian, really relaxed uh, around the pits with fans and, and everybody else, and then just gets on the bike and does that. It was, it was crazy and looked fast. That was the other thing. It just looked strong and fast. Which I wouldn't have uh, thought it'd be that good. Uh, no, I, 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 that. I, 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 was, I was watching him quite closely, and it, it was just super impressed. Like the intensity, everything was just there from, from the get go. And um, I, 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 you know, we knew he was going to be, he wasn't going to struggle. We knew he was going to be good. Um, but I think he could possibly have one of the best rookie seasons um, ever from, you know, from a rookie. Well, Just, hold on, hold on. But let's, let's back well, it down on that because okay. Fevra won the championship and so okay. the guys are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so behind those, I, th- I think, I genuinely think I've seen enough the weekend that um, 
that I think he, he could definitely be uh, top five overall in this championship. I am, um, yeah, very interested to see where this goes because I believe Beaton could have signed a two year deal with FNH, but he said no. He wanted to sign a one year deal because he believed in himself enough where he wanted to show what he can do this year and then potentially get factory ride, more money, whatever, better deal yeah, overall. Yeah, contract, yeah. And I, when he told me that last year, I was like, oh, that's, that's ballsy. Brief. That's a yeah, ballsy <laughs> move. But based on Matt Ali, I have to say he's probably a bit of a genius. Yeah. Because I'd imagine even Matt Ali alone, his stock has probably gone through the roof. Yeah, I was, I was really impressed. In, in, it'd be interesting to see where he, where he features in Mantova, which you can only feel like it's going to be another great, solid result as well. But it was just consistency all weekend. He was just there or thereabouts. So it was just a consistency, which um, uh, the intensity and the consistency throughout the weekend, which impressed me. Ferrato 7, uh, another very good ride for him back in Turkey last year. Great ride. I, I think, again, like it, it, as much as I'm giving beaten uh, kudos, I was super impressed with Ferrato. I think a lot of other people were super impressed because, like in pit lane, like, listening to people, they were like, wow, okay. Um, and I thought actually the commentators were um, a little bit kind of negative by saying, I think one or two times I think I heard them call him a big unit. It's like, come on, guys. The I guy's like... Accurate, isn't it? Yeah, but like the guy's just got seventh overall in the world. Like, mm, big unit. Come on. It's Albie. I have questions about Ferrato that I don't feel like it's kind to ask but I, I just want to know, know what, more do you know what I like, I like about Ferrato everybody loves him and that tells me that he's a decent good human being the thing and that confuses also, me is he's clearly in shape yeah he doesn't very, fade very very good rider it's like I think he, he needs more respect than he's given is that you asking me to give him more respect everyone Okay. Everyone. I give him more respect that was a good ride he did well it was a I great just, ride I just have a lot of questions and he, he was too, at the end of the day, he was two points behind Beaton on the weekend. And we've just given Beaton, you know, a, a, a lot of credit for, for that weekend. He beat Olsen, Van Horbeek, Bogers, Vlander, and Watson. You know, that, that's a solid, solid ride. Yeah, yeah, this is the point. He beat uh, one, two, three, four. But he beat five riders who are on full, six riders, seven riders. He beat seven riders who are on full factory bikes. I don't think he will ever even be looked at for a factory deal, though. This is my point. No, but... So- the, same way I, I, the same way that I just said off of Matt Ali, I feel like Jed is going to get... His stock has risen. Factory teams are going to look at him. I really feel like that's going to happen now, if he, especially if he can keep this up. I feel like Ferrato will just never be looked at by a factory team other than maybe Beta, because I don't think the image of him does him any favours in that respect. But what don't you like about the image of him? Well, just like, I don't know. I just, that's just generally my feeling. See, I, I think you're wrong on this one. I genuinely think his personality and, and who he is and, and the way he comes across, I think, I think that's a great, it's get great attributes for, for a factory team. I, I think I could see him in the future uh, getting an MXGP ride on somebody like uh, De Carly. Mm, no, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think yeah, so. I think, I think he would. Especially in an Italian factory team, I definitely think he, w- he would land himself on there. And I think he'd do very, very well. 
Hmm. Hmm. Olsen 8th, Van Horbeck 9th, uh, Bogus 10th, lost his rear brake in the second race, which is why he finished 12th. But other than that, 7th in Moto1 was strong for Bogus. He moved forward, felt a lot better on Sunday than he did Saturday. Uh, Vlander in 11th, struggled all weekend. Didn't feel too good. Definitely expect more from Vlandering. And he's definitely capable of more. He, he, he was disappointed be, himself. He should be in that beaten spot. He should, he should have been 6th, 7th. He should have been right where Beaton and Ferrari were. So more to come there, you would think. And same for Watson, really. Yeah, but Watson was... It was we were told, literally, before race one, he's not riding. I had a story written for the website. Like I fully wrote up a story so that I could just press publish when it was officially official. Yeah. But, but we, were, we, were told, ride. we were told. I, I heard it from two different people. Uh, he's not riding. Yeah, I, well, I'm Strybos. I was texting Strybos, obviously, because now, now I get even more Watson information than ever before because me and Strybos have a direct line where we discuss all things Watson wagon. Um, and he, I text him uh, two hours before the first moto and said, are we racing? And he said, probably not. Like, I highly doubt it. Because so Ben crashed in warm-up so, so this is where people are going to get confused. Saturday was not a good day for Ben. There was no issue there, though, because the crash came on Sunday warm-up. So he didn't crash in a week, which I've seen people think. Saturday was just an off day. He struggled with the track, struggled with getting out of his comfort zone, kind of a similar thing to last year, that sort of stuff. Sunday morning warm-up, he was immediately better. So whatever Strybos did overnight to him or whatever happened works because morning warm-up on Sunday, he set the night fastest time, which I think it was night. Maybe it changed, but it was definitely around there. Then in warm-up, he crashed going into the first corner, hit his head and left side, I think, quite hard, but mainly his head. His head was the issue. And then, yeah, hit, and then it was basically highly, highly likely that he wasn't going to race yeah. for that reason. So, yeah. So, obviously, decided to give it a go. I think he had a lay down between warm-up and the first moto. Decided to give it a go. And actually, it turned out quite well. But as Strybos said to me after the race, and fully agree with this, it probably helped because that crash took all the pressure off. That, that crash took... After, after a crash like that, just lining up is an achievement. And everything else beyond that is a bonus. Yeah. Which basically changes the game completely, doesn't it? Like, changes, the, like, changes everything for you. Because if you're going to, like, it basically does change everything for you. And in the end, despite all of the struggles, all of the ups and downs of the weekend, Watson came out with decent points. Not too bad at all. Right by the top 10. And he'll take that in going into a track that he is um, very good on this weekend, yeah. Mantova. Where this weekend at Mantova, uh, just for clarification, this weekend at Mantova, 12th overall, I would not accept as a respectable result. Mantova, he should be 5th, 6th, 7th at least, I would say, because he is very good at Mantova. Yeah, he'll have that week's rest as well. He's a bit bruised, a bit bad, a bit bad, so pattered up. And as I said all along, it is going to be a bit of a slow start for Watson because basically a lot of testing, a lot of off-season testing is going to come after Argentina. Basically, Ben is riding the same bike close enough, well, same bike as far, like obviously different suspension and stuff, which I'll get into in a minute, but the same platform that Fevre rode last year. And then more parts and more testing opportunities will come once we get back from Argentina. Obviously, short off-season, a lot of guys were pushed for time. So um, rather than playing around with a bike all off-season and testing different things, Ben mainly just rode and rode and rode and basically practice, 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 rather than test, test, test. So the test, test, test will come and maybe that makes him even better. And yeah, on that, Ben is running KYB suspension. Fevre is, Fevre is running Shoah 
That is a Kawasaki thing. Ben was never getting an option to run the same suspension as Fevra. Kawasaki makes sure that both guys or each guy is running different suspension to the other. They did it the same with Tomac and Cincerello in America uh, for the last however many years. So that is a just a Kawasaki Japan thing for whatever reason. Creates a bit of rivalry, I guess. Makes each suspension company work even harder to make sure they deliver the best product, you could say. But yeah, that's why he is on KYB. One of the things which uh, it is coming across, um, I've seen it at Hawkstone, spoke at length with Steve Gutteridge. Um, they are very, very much um, factory Japan as a team. So there, there is no overriding sponsors and everything else. This is an effort, uh, a full factory effort by the Japanese. They are investing back into it. They are fully, fully involved um, and back in this team. So um, I think it's exciting times. I think going forward, uh, I think Anti's Ka- the Kawasaki with Anti and stuff like that, I think they're on uh, the next five years are going to be very, very interesting to see what Kawasaki can produce. It's interesting because um, last year, last year, Fevra and Monticelli were both on Showa suspension. But in America, AC was on Showa and Tomac was on KYB. Now, this year, Anderson and Cincerello are on the same suspension. They're both on Showa. But now MXGP are doing the Kawasaki thing of one on KYB and one on Showa. So I wonder if it's a thing where as long as one team is doing that, they're happy. And yeah. because, because um, Anderson opted for the same suspension as Cincerello, that meant that Kawasaki in Europe had to take on that, 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 that role. development. That yeah, development that, role of having yeah. one guy on each suspension, I guess. I don't know. Inter- weird, weird though, that, like, or not weird, but like interesting that that wasn't the case in MXGP last year, and now it is. Whereas mm. for, on the flip side in America. But, yeah. yeah. We'll so I was going to say, I'm excited as a Kawasaki fan just to see how this, um, this whole situation develops. Because um, it definitely feels like Kawasaki Japan are back big time. Uh, Fevra, speaking of back, Fevra should be back in Argentina. That's what he's shooting for. However, personally, I think he'll return either Portugal or Trentino because he's not back on a bike yet. He tried to ride two weeks ago and was in too much pain. Argentina isn't that far away now. It's Well, basically, we're, it's Wednesday now. We'll be leaving for Argentina in two weeks. And actually, the bikes should be leaving this week. Maybe but, early next. But it's one of his favorite tracks. Well, yeah, but this is a professional sport, James. Having so, that doesn't really mean anything. Mm, if this yeah, was me I, racing a club championship, then sure, I'll return for my favorite track. But sure, I, I just got told um, that it's his favorite track and he would do absolutely everything to be there. I so feel like common take sense that news may, as, as, as you want to. I feel like common sense may, um, may change that. Yep. Fernandez had a very rookie weekend. One race, he crashed approximately 17,000 times. The next race, he finished a very strong fifth. So that is basically what his season will be. Some rounds, he will be a very strong top five. And other rounds, he will crash his brains out and be a mess. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is Fernandez's 2022 season wrapped up already after round one. Right, let's talk about Iron Man of the weekend, which is Jacoby. Hold on, literally, first, Oh, first, sorry. Fernandez is on a full factory bike. Fernandez's bike is no different to Mitch's or Geyser's. 
No, no, it's exactly the same. And uh, and basically, they've all gone. They're all on the same suspension. Uh, sorry, chassis. So, although he's under the Honda 114 awning, which would obviously people looking at that are going to go, well, he's not on HRC. He is basically on a HRC bike. So, I think that's important to know when judging his season, because like you'd obviously judge it a bit differently if he, if you know he's on a full factory bike versus a satellite team bike. So, just something to bear in mind as we move forward. Go on. Uh, I was going to say that uh, Iron Man um, has to be Jacoby. Uh, the fact, I think all of us were a little bit shocked when uh, he just turned up. I, was, I think we were talking to uh, Roger Harvey and Jacoby just turned up and started talking. And it was like, oh, oh, he's riding. Literally after a week after surgery. Just incredible. Yeah, I don't, how, how does that even work? So he, he broke his scaphoid. See, but, there's got to be something li- we don't. There's got to be something that hasn't been said because he broke his scaffold last year, at the end of the last season, so November October time. Basically, tried to ride through it all winter, and then a week before the first round, decided that actually this isn't getting better. I'm going to have surgery. But a, you can't ride, you can't race and finish 14th a week after having surgery on a broken scaffold. And two, if you break your scaffold, I don't think it's really possible to ride with it anyway. So it can't be a big break or it can't be a proper break or it must be a frac. It must be like a fracture or something like that. It can't be a proper broken scaphoid because there's just no way. It was just how he just like, like, you can't ride like that. Oh, just shrugged his shoulders. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> just crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. I have a newfound respect for him just by uh, somebody who's just like, yeah. We're just going to go give it a go. Give it a go and pick up 15 points, valuable points. Vandonic 15th, Guio 16th. Guio's only been riding and training and basically in full off-season mode for six weeks because he was so... Um, huge off in race one, hey? What, did you see it? <laughs> yeah, I seen, I seen the aftermath of it when the bike basically was looping out and he was literally tumbling. Where was it? Uh, it was literally on the, the... You know, as you go first time down into the valley, yeah, and you go, up. you go back up round the sweeping corner, yeah. um, and then back down there. It was, it was that, it was those ruts there. So basically, the the bike That's just a strange place to crash. Yeah, it was. It was a a big one as well, huge, huge one. I think he pretty much destroyed the bike as well. Yeah, so he's only been riding for six weeks because um, he was so tired at the end of last season that he took a lot of time off in the off season. So he's only been riding and training for six weeks. So actually, a very good um, performance from him. And he's not doing GPs now until Latvia, which is the beginning of May or the end yeah, of April. He's because doing he's the doing a French and Swiss championship, which is basically what he has to do for his deal. Basically, hey Lewis, his deal isn't an MXGP deal; it's a sponsorship. It's a. How do you know all this information? Hmm? How do you know all this information? I've been texting Guio quite a lot. Oh, it's Monday. nothing to do with uh, to the interviews I got. Which no, because a, a it wasn't a. It wasn't an interview. And B, when I, when I told you to message me the riders you got, you know, you actually stopped sending me names. So I didn't know what those files were. So I messaged Guio myself. And then he told me everything. And then I went through your files and was like, oh, you did speak to him because you struggled to follow instructions, James. That has no, absolutely smashed it the weekend. Smashed okay, they weren't it. exactly interviews, but it's fine. You quotes. Quotes. But I was chatting to him anyway. I was chatting to all the riders. Okay. Davey Pooches. What happened? Um, 
Very good to see him back, racing MXGP for the first time in three years, I think, which is crazy when you say that. He twisted his knee, I think. I think it was his knee or his ankle. On Saturday. It was ankle, so didn't... Sprained ankle, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ankle, knee, something like that. So didn't ride on Sunday because um, not to make it worse, rest it up, you know, pr- protect himself because the last thing he needs is to do more damage and like miss another season. It's a very, like, not inspirational, but it's a very good story, Pooch is coming back. He basically can't open, like, you know how if you scrunch your fists together and then you open your fingers, he basically can't open his fingers beyond 50% of that. So he's like, uh, wait, what? I think it's his, I think it is his front brake hand. Yeah. So his front brake lever is basically positioned all the way down so that he can grab it easier because he doesn't, like, obviously, if it's higher up, then his fingers have to be more, like, extended or whatever. So he's, like, like obviously, as, he, as everyone knows, he almost lost his arm two years ago now. So that's what he's coming back from. Yeah, it's an incredible injury. And even to be riding against just... Yeah, like, when he showed me the hand and showed me how his fingers moved and that, I was literally blown away. Like, it, it, it literally is ridiculous and incredible. But also, on the flip side... Well, this is also this is also all crazy because Pooches was going to be the next Hurlings. So this is like a massive story in the way of like how his career's gone. Was he EMX one two five and two fifty champion? Was he? No, I don't think he won one two fives in the end because he dislocated his shoulder. But he was on his way to like basically a perfect season, and then he dislocated his shoulder. Two fifty, he never won. I thought he did. No, because injuries, injuries, injuries. Damn. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he might have even gone straight to MX two. Or done only one year in EMX 125? I don't think he won EMX 250 anyway. So, KMNV, the Dutch Federation, like the AMA, like the ACU, blah, blah, blah. Pooches trains kids as a part of that, but in return, the KMNV pays or subsidizes his training. So, Pooches is on a full training program with a nutritionist, like all off the bike stuff, which is paid for by the Dutch Federation. In return, Pooches has to do like a day a week training and working with um, the young 85 riders who are also coming up through the Dutch rider system. Just interesting. I knew you'd find that interesting, James, because I know yeah. you like that stuff. About I do like that federations, stuff. Really interesting, yeah. Federations and what they're working on and stuff. And also, there's a chance we'll see Pooches at an AMA National this year. That's cool. That's I had a lot cool. of Pooches talk time at the weekend. Breakfast. We had breakfast together on Sunday morning. Look at you growing up. Just me and Pooches. Lots of, lots of talk. Also, I got Pooches at riders. Don't forget. But yeah, just a shame to see him not race. But also, actually, I will say this. He, so he said to me, I think I can say this now because it's like a happy ending. He said to me on Saturday... <laughs> you, no, lo- you love a happy ending, Was it you? Friday night or Saturday night? He said to me on Friday night, I just don't want to be last. My goal is not to be last because like, I don't want to be a last place guy. He, like, obviously, he's building up. And he said, like, yeah, there's not many riders on the entry list, but everyone who is on the entry list is quite good and should probably be better than me after I've not ridden or raced for three years. I said to him, like, no, there's no way you'll be last, blah, blah, blah. But in the qualifying race on Saturday, he was running 15th before he twisted his knee or whatever he did. And he was running 15th for half a race. I thought that was yeah, really, was good. really good. Like, yeah. I was really surprised. I, like, I didn't think he'd be last, but I thought he'd maybe be 19th, 20th, 21st. Like, to run 15th for half the race I was really impressed and really surprised and actually thought to myself like oh cool this is actually turning out to be a really good story then obviously a slight hiccup but still 
yeah, I was really, imp- I was really thought that was quite impressive and worth me of a shout out. Uh, on that note, there's a good chance that um, uh, with the deal that Valentin Guillo's got, that we could see him in America for um, a couple of rounds as well. Well, catch the fever, America. Catch there the fever. Go. Maybe everyone's listened to me long enough where they all want to go now. Maybe. Maybe. Biggest surprise for the MXGP class, James? Uh, hands down, beaten. Um, it was just, you, you know, we, we talked about how possibly, how, how good he could be. Uh, to come out and back it up and be that strong. Um, that, was, that was a surprise to me. Like you said, uh, pre-season buggered at the, the Renault surprise. So um, put that to the side and it, I'd definitely say it was beaten. Well, what about you, Lewis? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Beaten. Uh, biggest disappointment? Biggest disappointment. Ooh. It's hard because every, there isn't really a disappointment because there's so many riders out compared to last year. But basically everyone did better than they did last year. Yeah. Um, uh, you'd have yeah. to go Vlandrin and Watson purely because you'd expect both of those guys to be inside the top 10. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't know what happened to Van Donnick because, again, he's kind of, he, he did have like a, a decent, decent preseason. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't expect him to be, okay, maybe he can get a 12th at some point this year, but would you really expect him to beat the guys in front of him? Like, aside from Jacoby, they're basically all factory riders. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'm just clutching at straws. It just, I think with the few people that, that were out, everybody's kind of positions look, look kind of good when you, when you add in... Well, Jazakonis obviously would be the biggest disappointment. I mean, one, one of the... I think the biggest disappointment for me was um, only 23 riders in the class. Yeah, but like, off the top of my head... Oh, I know, I know, mate. I, I, it's like seven, eight riders are all like top riders. I think riders it's more injured. than that. Herlins, Fevre, Jonas, Monticelli, Chervelin, Patrell. Then also we're missing Strybos, Simpson, Tonus, Caroli, who retired. And there's got, that's off the top of my head, so there's got to be guys I'm not naming. That's 10. We have 10 really good names who are actually like, it's not naming like lapped riders. Yeah, our Brian Lurkov's obviously missing because of the whole Russian passport thing. Servanin. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's um, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot. Yeah, it's just... A, rough start, rough start. I, I've, the other thing which... Um, was kind of strange was the fact that um, there was no wild cards in, in MXGP for, uh, for British riders. Yeah, but I feel like that's been the case for a while now. I feel like I, I meant to, I meant, I was planning on looking at this this week and actually like making a little graph of how that's changed. Yeah, I, I kind of think that, um, you know, obviously the obvious ones are Sorrell and Simpson. They've, they've been there, done it. They don't need to wild card uh, a British GP, but. I, I just feel that it's a great opportunity for um, riders to A, get some bike time, and B, put themselves out there for sponsors. In MX1, as it was called, in 2005 at Matchams, there were five British riders on the starting line. And actually, to be fair, I'm pretty sure they were all doing GPs full-time at that point. Hucklebridge was, Cooper was, Noble was, I believe yeah. Burnham still was. Don't think Mark Jones was. So maybe he's one wild card, but... Okay, one rider we've not discussed is uh, Mitch Evans. Uh, great to see him back. And um, again, showed speed uh, during the weekend, but it's still early days. It's going to take him six, seven GPs, do you think? Oh, maybe halfway. longer. I think, yeah. I think halfway through the season. I'm not overly surprised that it was that hard to begin with because it's a monumental task that he's taking on because he 
the wrist was destroyed and he's had a lot of time off, so it's going to be a long road back. I think, I think he was some really people a had high surfer. He was that lo- he was that long gone. I think some people had higher expectations though than really? that. Yeah, I heard some people go, "Well, he should be top ten still." That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. What, what that long off the bike? Yeah, so but I'd still just... be able to run the same speed as um, uh, Van Horbeek in 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 beaten in in Renault and stuff. Yeah, so. I don't I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. But I um, don't agree. Yeah, it's gonna. Uh, it's gonna. Maybe I would have said he would have been fifteenth or sixteenth instead. But you know, it's gonna be a long road. Can't judge anything until um, we get to May. I would say, and then by May he should start to get a bit stronger. But yeah, yeah, just not much to say. Not much to say there, to be honest. Because not much like, to say, what but can you say? But it's what we expected. It's it's nothing other than we expected. If like in time practice, he was fourteenth, so wasn't that far off. No, there were. There was. It's not like he was just meh the whole weekend. There were good signs at different points. Yeah. Should we talk about Brower Army as well? As well, because that was obviously his uh, debut's go. That was the quickest. Oh yeah, I forgot he exists. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we we nearly had twenty-five riders, and obviously Puches and Brower Army um, departed. Yeah. So Brower Army came out of the shadows and then immediately went back in. That was the, the fastest KTM ride. Is he actually back again? I, well, yeah, I guess he's not because he's broke his collarbone, hasn't he? No, he's damaged a ligament in his shoulder. Oh, okay. Basically, came out of the shadows, did a couple of laps, back he goes. How, how, many, how many actual laps did he do? Do we, do we know? I would have done, I think quite he done a lot. Seven. Did he, hang on, I'm just looking here. Well, no, because um, there's two practice sessions. Yeah. So he did maybe, he about, done... four, maybe about 14 laps. <laughs> no, uh, but. Um, yeah, so he got the Red Bull KTM ride, which was kind of a surprise, but also he was probably the best person to get it, so not that surprising. Um, crashed in the qualifying race, did a Superman. Damaged a ligament in his shoulder. I believe he now needs surgery. So there you go. <laughs> Game over, I guess. Um, I, don't think KT- I don't think KTM are going to fill that seat again for a second time. Caroli told them he's not ready to race in MXGP yet. So yeah, they- there you go. The big question I have now, and the big thing that actually made me laugh quite a lot when the Brower May fill-in news came out, is um, so everyone remembers the very fun press release that the oh, Kawasaki the, yeah. team sent out in December. The very funny press release. It was really great. Yep. I went back and read it after the KTM news came out. Are you going to read why. it now? Going to read it now? And this was my fu- this was my favorite part. And I've lost it. Where is it? Please find it. I did find it funny. Oh, here we go. Matisse's loyalty to Kawasaki is true and sincere and severely appreci- and is very appreciated by the Japanese executives. I thought that was quite funny because two months later he fucked off to KTM. Yeah. So that made me laugh when I read that again. I, I, I still have no idea what happened to that French Kawasaki team because he was meant to be doing GPs with them, but clearly not because he wasn't on the entry list before Matley until the KTM thing came up. So now that the KTM deal has effectively ended, I don't know if that means that Brower May can go back. Or maybe just goes Honda. Or Yamaha. But like, he needs something. And like, I, don't know if, I don't know if him moving to the Red Bull KTM team burnt that bridge, or if the team were like, yeah, sure, come back when you need us, or like, probably never going to find out because I'm going to presume that Brower May did not choose to update his Instagram at any point over the weekend. Yeah. But yeah, interesting because he took a gamble and a gamble that anyone would take. Absolutely. But obviously it's you can't knock him really taking work. it. 
yeah, but now it's really not worked out at all and interesting to see what happens next. But then possibly not preach loyalty. Well, that's not him. That's the person who wrote his crazy press release. But who knows who that was because... Who knows who, who wrote that press release? Because I feel like there are a lot of questions to ask as far as that one is All right, concerned. Lewis, I'm going to exit the building and go to the toilet because you've talked way too long. Okay, I'll finish. I'll wrap up part one and then we'll be back for part two. Okay, see you. Before see you go, you James. Yes. Do you want to know what Geyser, Prado, Renault, Sewer, Coldenoff, and Beaton, the top six finishers from BMXGP of Great Britain, have in common? Well, I'm close to pissing my pants, Lewis. So okay, if it's going I'll to tell everyone else while you. <laughs> I'll tell everyone else. If this while news you go. is literally going to tip me over the edge, then I'll possibly leave right now. Okay, I'll tell everyone while you go to the toilet. You do it. Um, Guys are Prado, Sewer, Renault, Colnoff, Beaton, the top six finishers from the MXGP class at Matley Basin, all join or are all a part of the winning world of Renfall. The winning brand in manufacturing and design for the last half a century, Renfall also continues to lead the world at the very top level of the sport. Amassing more championship titles than all competing brands combined, Renfall's records are unsurpassable with 238 US titles, 232 world titles, and 470 major championship titles combined. Thanks to the hard work and dedication to detail, the Renfall factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since the beginning in 1969. Renfall absolutely dominate any championship they compete in, as proven by those MXGP results. And that's that they have managed to sweep the top six in MXGP without Hurlings, without Fevra. Add those two in there, and they would have swept the top eight. So there you go, Renfall. Absolutely dominant and exciting things from Renfall uh, coming up here shortly, I believe. So that's something to watch out for as well. Right, that wraps up part one of the MXY show. Part one was, of course, presented by Fly Racing, who redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS and a 12k carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. There are many editions of the Formula Helmet for you to peruse at your local dealer or online. Formula Helmet available worldwide, of course, and used by Isaac Gifting, Kai Castmakers, Conrad Muse, Rick Elzinger, Andrea Bonacorsi, Max Anstey, Justin Brayton, Shane McElrath, Joey Savacci, and many, many others. Thank you to Fly Racing, as well as Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, the Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's part one. We'll be back with MX2 Talk and your questions answered in five minutes. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com.
Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 95 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Time for some MX2 talk, I guess. We've done MXGP. Lots to talk about there. Let's just hope that we get some of the stars back soon because it is definitely a little on the weak side at the moment. But if we all know one thing about motocross, it's that as the season goes on, everyone just gets healthier. So that's good. Of course, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, for Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part two of the MX5 show, which means it is presented by Scott Sports. The Prospect Goggle from Scott Sports is a culmination of over 50 years of experience producing goggles for the off-road and MX market. Used by an ever-growing list of champions, the Prospect Goggle has everything you need to ensure your vision is the best that it can be. With perfected features such as the no-sweat face foam and maximum field of vision, the Scott Lenslock system, articulating outriggers and more, the super stylish Prospect Goggle has been engineered to defend your vision no matter how extreme the conditions get. When the mud starts spraying, Simply install the 50mm works film system and have an instant advantage over the competition. The Prospect is available with standard, light-sensitive, and now the new amplifier lens options. Amplifier-injected lenses provide improved definition and optical clarity, allowing you to see contours and transitions in the dirt like never before. Get yours now at your local dealer or online at scott-sports.com. Speaking of Scott Sports, Simon Lagenfelder won BMX 2 Class using Scott Goggles, which takes us lovely into BMX 2 Class and undoubtedly the biggest shock of the weekend. Lagenfelder had never finished top five overall at a GP until now, when suddenly he managed to get both hole shots, pole position, both moto wins, the overall win, the red plate, and led every single lap except for one. I believe it was one, but still ridiculous, ridiculous weekend. Totally out of nowhere. Maybe not completely out of nowhere because we all did expect him to be better this year, but not that good. Simon had never finished in the top five overall at a GP before. He was sixth overall at Matterley last year and that was his best. This time around, absolutely phenomenal weekend. Surprising, yes. We all thought he would take a step up this year. We all predicted he would. I personally would have said he would have won a GP this year. 
but more September time. Definitely, I would have put him down as a top six guy this weekend. Definitely not a GP winner. But here we are. The red plate is bolted onto the Red Bull Gas Gas Factory racing machine. And I'm gonna have a, it's going to give the MX2 class a bit of a different vibe uh, come Mantua. Hey, James. Yeah, no one's seen that one coming. No one. I don't care who you are. You did not see that one coming. You tipped in for big things this year, Lewis, but um, I don't think anybody's seen it coming this early. But I think the shocking thing was is was the speed. He looks so good. Um, in talking to him after after the race, um, just seems like a a good kid. Um, you know, level headed, obviously happy and excited. But um, yeah, looks like a str- strong sort of uh, parents around him and, and stuff like that. I, this this kid um, is going places, literally. Um, yeah, it was scary how good he's got already. Uh, what were your thoughts, Lewis? Yeah, just incredible, really. I yeah, I like to think that everyone who listened to this podcast felt a little smarter at Natalie because they were all like, ah, I've listened to the MX5 Show podcast and they told me to look out for this kid. So hopefully you all, hopefully this podcast helps make your Natalie experience a little bit more enjoyable. But um, interesting thing that comes from Simon to me when I spoke to him after the race is obviously Caroli is working with the Ducati guys and, well, the whole KTM group really on a bit of training and just a bit of advice, a bit of an advisor. And I think a lot of people jumped on that and presumed that that was why Simon was so good. However, talking to Simon, when I asked him about Caroli, he didn't really, it wasn't like he was quick to go, yeah, Caroli, he's been, he's been there every day. Like he said, he's not with us every day. Like he doesn't, so it sounds like Caroli does stuff, but not like full time. So Simon wasn't like, oh yeah, I've worked with Caroli all winter. He's taken me to another level, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think you can put the, the, the what would you call it? Not the blame, but you don't think you can put the, the credit. credit in Caroli's corner. Instead, everyone seems keen to put that in Ducali's corner. Ducali, quietly, has become a bit of a um, powerhouse at managing to turn young talents into something greater. Prado moved there and was very happy, very comfortable and flourished because of that. Guadagnini, obviously very good in his rookie season. And now Lagenfelder, a different guy. Same bike, same Gas Gas MC250F, but different guy completely. So maybe we need to start looking at the Takali outfit a little bit more as just a special place for younger guys to go. Interesting. Last time that a German rider won in MX2 was Matterley Basin in 2011. Ken Roxon won one. So... 11 years on, same track, same moto scores, new German. What a nice transition. And he's what? He's literally just turned 17, hasn't he? Uh, 18, I think. 18, is he? I thought he's younger yeah. than that. I guess we were talking, to, talking about him two years ago when he was just, um, just turned 16. Well, he uh, went straight from MX125 into MX2, so. Yeah. It feels yeah, like I mean, he's been what, around longer than that. Like, yeah, what a talent. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just so surprised at the speed um, and the authority as well. Uh, you know, with the way that Vial passed him, and he just passed him back. You know, it's it was oh, Vial crashed. Yeah, I still passed him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a technicality. <laughs> but he put the pressure on Vial to make that mistake, and uh, that was on the start straight. Hey, in the in the corner, as you dipped down. Yep. But I, I was just just very very impressed. Um, you know, as, as I've said, I don't think anybody's seen this coming. And uh, he just looked like he belonged there. That was the scary thing. 
Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to be a title contender now. I think it's too soon in his career for that. Does he win another GP this year? 100%. Will he be on the podium a lot? Yeah, sure. But I think, for the most part, still have Lagenfelder down as a top five guy, I think. I think that's a safe place to put him. Vial wasn't, isn't quite at 100% yet. He obviously was injured at the end of last year as well, so his off-season started a little later. But he's also got the new bike to figure out. So that, he said himself he isn't at 100% yet. Nothing wrong with what Vial did. Nothing to cause any alarm bells, concerns. He's going to be a uh, undeniable favorite for this championship. He's going to be there all the way. And truthfully, if you're striking Lagenfelder from the list as a contender, then Vial beat all of the guys who are going to be in this for the championship. So like, happy days, I think. Like, I don't really see a reason to, to doubt Vial's um, ability to dominate this championship. Agreed? Yeah, agree. Yeah, I am... Um... You know, we we talked about this last week. We we you know, Viao is 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 the man. Still is the man. I think. Yeah, you're right. He's going to get better. You know, he's coming off of uh, you know injuries last year. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I still can't see anybody take it to him. I think um, the one that we did think was Gertz, and he just although he was he showed you know good turns of speed and was uh, was flashing up purple sectors and and you know. He looked, he looked okay at Matterley, but it just wasn't the full package which we've, we've seen over the last sort of two, three years where he struggled to put it all together. And I think it's going to be another year of the struggle being real for him. Uh, Kyle DeWolf was really fast. Moto Wadi was really impressive. Moto 2, he had a bad start. Fourth overall. Um, again, nothing wrong there. Not much to say. He'll be in this thing. He'll probably battle for the win this weekend in Mantua. I would bet that this weekend in Mantua, he'll either win, he'll win one of the three heats, including qualifying. And say for most like solid start, completely had to speed, good showing, not much to say, no negatives to harp on. He'll be in this thing. He'll be good every week from now on. He'll be, um, it was, it was unlucky actually for Nastar not to get a rider on the podium considering how well both riders rode. Yeah. Rowan already looks sort of very at home on the team. Um, I, again, I expect good things. I think uh, solid first round, and um, yeah, there's just nothing which which tells me that they're not going to be or they're not going to have multiple podiums this year. The five riders from sixth through tenth: Harrop, Rubini, Horgmo, Gifting, Adamo. All very, very surprising. Horgmo looked good. The results don't show it, but um, uh, he was pretty much in. The t- he felt like he, well, it felt to me like he was in the top three there or thereabouts. All yeah, he was in weekend. top three. Yeah, so it was um, obviously he had a uh, what, what race was it? He had the tip over, both, both. Yeah, so but it's so so good. Um, just looks, you know. I think I think that's the best I've seen him on that Kawasaki. I, I'm going to say it now. I think I think this is going to be his best year easily. Well, I think that's safe to say based on how Matley went, isn't it? Yeah, he he just looks. I don't know. Just he just looks more at home on that bike than he has ever done on a KTM. Um. Just suits him. I think you've got to give Mark DeRuvre all the credit here. It's not a bike, it's Mark. I yeah. think you've got to give Mark DeRuvre all the credit. Yeah, he's the man. I think he's turned Hawkman. I think, I think the same for Beaton. I think Mark has actually done a lot. I think Mark... I, I would actually love to look into a parallel universe and see what that FNH team would look like without Mark. Yeah. That would be interesting. I mean, impossible. Or maybe not, but yeah. 
I'd be interested to see because I do think Mark does a lot there. And I think for a guy like Horgmo, who's lacked some guidance in his career, like when he first went up to MX2 with Marchetti, he was just left alone. I think having someone like Mark in your corner is a game changer. Brings yeah. A game changer in every way. A game changer in technique, a game changer in ability, a game changer in mindset, a game changer in confidence, like everything. And I think that all, we saw all of that come together for Hawkmo at the weekend and turn him into a podium contender, which is what he was. He was a podium contender. Harrop as well. Harrop was ridiculously good. Harrop has this potential though, so it's not that surprising, but Harrop showed some real flashes of good speed in both motos. Coming from behind both times, there were points where he was the fastest man on track in both motos. So Harrop's also exciting, and I hear he's very happy as well in his new surroundings. Super happy. Rubini. I have no idea where Rubini came from, but he was running at, at what, fourth, fifth in the first moto for like for a long time. A whole time? Yeah. We well, finished fifth. I believe he was fourth, though. Yeah. I believe. Uh, did he have a... Did he, have, did he slip up as well, or was it... No, he just got... He got passed by Gertz on the last lap. But ah. he was fourth for the whole... Yeah, he was fourth for basically the whole race. And I was thinking to myself, like, bloody hell, like, is we really going to start the season with Rubini on the podium? New team for him as well. He's not on Honda Asimoto anymore. He's on Honda SR. So maybe that's something. Maybe that's changed his life. Yeah. Yeah. Rubini was crazy impressive. Rubini, yeah. Rubini, who's obviously had, he's another, um, you know what? Moving from, moving from EMX125 straight to MX2 is a hot topic at the moment because Lagenfelder is obviously working for Lagenfelder. Rubini did it, and Rubini is the opposite of that. Rubini is the cautionary tale because Rubini went straight from EMX125 to a factory deal in MX2 and then had to go back to EMX250. So it doesn't always work out, but it's definitely an interesting debate to have. Like, do we actually need an EMX250 class or can we make do with an EMX125 class and then you go straight to MX2? I think so. Mm, I, it works for some. It doesn't EMX125 work for all. EMX125 class, EMX125 class, age rule 19, then you go to MX2. I would say 18 or 125. Yeah, but I'm more, I'm more thinking the good guys will move up anyway and then the guys who need a bit longer give them an extra year just to maybe they'll make like give them an extra year, you know, just in case they have a blossom in that year. But the younger, the good guys like Lagenfelder will be up anyway. I think the EMX250 um, is a good class. I, I think it, it works. Um, I think, I, I, as I've always said, EMX250, 23. EMX, uh, MX2 25. That's the only change I think. I think that this, the current setup we've got at the moment works apart from MX2 25. And I just think that there's a couple of riders. Uh, 23. Sorry. 23. You said the age will. Yeah, sorry. Move from. Yeah, 20, MX2 from 23 to, 20, to 25. I just think looking back over the years, there's certain riders which are better on an MX2 bike than they are. Um, MXGP and it just takes them a long long time and, and the problem is is in, in that class you don't get the time to adapt to the 450 because you just get left behind if you don't adapt quickly there's no factory rides the satellite rides soon dry up and then you're just left to doing your national championships which is a real shame I just think if they, if they edged up the, the EMX, uh, MX2 um, 250 to, to 25 I think it would just make things so much better and I think you'd probably see an like Guillo, an extra two years on on MX2 would have just been, I think his 450 career would have been completely different. Well, no, because Guillo was already winning MX2. 
So like, what would an extra two years of winning MX2 done for him? Because it would have, it, it would have just made him, it would have just, he, was, he had reached the top of MX2. Not necessary. He didn't win a world championship. Well, no, but not everyone's going to win a world championship. He was winning GPs against Hurlings. I don't think you can go much further than that. Well, no, but you go from the, those, sorry, okay, you go from those lofty, you know, highs to like, how the struggle's been for him over the last couple of years. Yeah, but that's just the way, it, like, that's nothing to do with the age rule. I think it is because I think... I don't he, think that, I've said it before, I don't think the AMX2 age rule needs to be moved up. I think the EMX250 thing needs to, I don't think, I think the other no, side of it needs to be looked at. I don't, I don't, I think, I think MX2, they just need a few more years. Like 25, they can spend another six years on a 450 if they want to. Yeah, but what's those two years going to do? A lot. EMX125, 19 age rule, straight to MX2. No, because you've seen that the EMX250 class, every time someone wins that championship, they get a good ride in MX2. That, yeah, that's the whole good, reason. You'll get a good ride for winning EMX125. No. Teams, if, we, if, if EMX250 is scrapped and EMX125 is the feeder series, then teams are going to have to sign those riders because otherwise they're going to not have any new talent. Any I, I, I don't know what happened in the, in the break, but it sounds like you've been drinking. I think this is a good idea. I think it's a bad idea. I think it works like it does. The EMX125, strong. EMX250, very, very strong. Uh, MX2, up it two years, please. And we've got a very, very good platform. Don't listen to Lewis, for fuck's sake. I'd like to give a shout out to Gifting because he was really good, actually. He was, he was basically a 6-6 rider on the day. Like, he should have been 6th overall. Crashed in the first moto, but he actually looked really good. So, and Matali isn't really a track you'd put him down as like a... You wouldn't put him down as a Matali guy. He'll be more of a Mantova guy. He's definitely more of a Sand guy. So... Um, yeah, maybe Gifton's another guy who's going to get his first podium finish this year. Definitely wouldn't be that big a surprise considering he was um, second in a moto in Lommel a year and a half ago. Yeah, didn't, was he on the podium in Lommel for that year when he got the second? No. Uh, was he not? No, never had a podium. Um, and also, actually, similar, same but different, his teammate, Kai Castmakers, who no one had any expectations of because it wasn't fair to have expectations because he only signed for that team four weeks ago. He was... Moving up from EMX125 directly to MX2. Just actually, this is relevant. So yeah, no one knew how he was going to go. No one really cared because it was a learning year. So whether it was really good or really bad, it didn't really matter because it's taking your lumps and figuring it out. He was actually really, really good. I was actually really impressed. Really, really impressed, actually. 16th overall, but he was higher than that in both motos. He passed Conrad Muse at one point. I was really impressed with um, High Cast Makers. Yeah, 17 and 15th is a, a nice debut. Um, again, though, you wouldn't put him down as a... Matterley wouldn't be a track that you put down as his sort of track. Considering everything, like he didn't... If Maybe it would be different if he had a full off season with the team and knew that he was moving to MX2 from October last year. But the reality is in January... On January the 1st, if you told him he'd be racing MX2 at Matterley, he would have gone, well, what? Why would I be doing that? I think for... Considering everything, I think he deserves a lot of respect, a lot of props and a star of the future for sure. I'm excited. I'm very excited to follow his progress from this point on, I have to say. I, I mean, you're kind of jumping a little bit about, uh, you're going to say I'm keeping it in the Hitachi family, and that's cool. But Guadagini's going to be, well, he was a little bit disappointed. How is that keeping it in a Hitachi family? 
gifting and charisma makers. Oh, me! I thought you meant you were. No, I'm just no, I was just jumping no, ahead because no, no, no. you don't need to go through every rider. I was just I, that was that was me Not kind of finishing you, MX2. You, sure, but you kind of went from gifting to to cars makers, which was like uh, yeah, massive. You, you obviously, um, you you failed to mention Adamo, uh, another impressive outing. Results didn't do uh, his ride in justice, but he was very very fast all weekend. Uh, very consistent with an 811. Um, and and was up there. It looked good, didn't look out of place. I think we're going to see more from him this year. And Guadagini, uh, we spoke to him at the end of the day, uh, disappointed with his day. Um, but again, watching the racing uh, on TV, you're not going to understand how difficult the racing was the weekend. The sun was so low. Shadows in every single row on every corner. Like speaking to Guillo, literally every it was a fifty-fifty on every every jump takeoff had a rut, and it was a fifty-fifty chance because the ruts were dark from the sun that it was either going to be a kicker or you're going to be okay. It was literally that last MXGP race. Uh, talking to a few riders, and they just said it was just literally pin it and hope. That was how treacherous Matley became uh, the last few races of the day. So I think um, again, you have to. There was. You know, some riders made some mistakes. Um, some riders would have just said, Do you know what? I need to get out of this healthy. It's round one. Uh, so I think you just got to take all those things into, it, into account. Agree, Lewis? I don't think that, I don't think you can put that on Guadagnini solely. That's the same for everyone. Like, that's not the reason why Guadagnini, Guadagnini told me on Friday already, he was like, I know I need a bit of time to, I'm, I'm a guy who needs a bit of time to like work into this thing. Yeah. If you look at it, Round one last year to round two was actually quite a big difference for him. He won round yeah. two and he wasn't really anywhere at round one. So I didn't really put much into his performance, which is why I skipped over him. Uh, expect more from Hakan Fredriksson on the 114 Honda. Uh, again, showed um, glimpses of brilliance uh, throughout the weekend, just little mistakes, um, which is he'll iron out. He's going to be, he'll, he'll, he'll work his way into that top 10, um, middle to end of the year. Uh, Jeremy Sado looked, looked really good at points throughout the, the weekend and also a uh, shout out to Kevin Brooman as well again uh, I th- again struggled on the track a little bit uh, I think he's only going to get better as well so um, it's you know not as we, we've always been not exci- as excited at MX2 but I do think there's some really good um, up and coming prospects and some going to be some great battles this year I'm done with MX2, so let's move on to Liat Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide, and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit, an affordable combo. The 4.5 jersey and pants for 5.5 jersey and pants. And then there's also the 4.5 Enduro jersey and pants for you wood guys out there. There is a lot to think about over at Liat. There's an advanced range of motor helmets for 2022 too. There's a lot of twos in that part, which throws me off every week, including the 9.5 Carbon, 8.5 Composite, 7.5 and 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colors to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5 and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. Thomas underscore SB93. Would it be better to stop with the EMX Open class to have more riders in MXGP? The problem is, 
would those riders go to MXGP? Probably not, because the reason Boutron's doing EMX Open is because he can win. And otherwise, he would be doing MXGP, but he doesn't want to ride around in 25th. That doesn't, in, uh, understandably, that doesn't interest some guys. If I, had a, if I was going racing at a club this weekend, as a weekend warrior, and I had a choice between a class where I was going to finish 26th and a class where I was going to finish 4th, I'd be, I'd be straight in the class to, to finish 4th. Like, I, I don't know if getting rid of EMX Open would necessarily solve that problem, especially considering beyond 7th, those riders aren't even really ever going to consider going to MXGP. So, The other thing um, which is a big pull for that series MX1 is a thousand euros entry fee. So it's a thousand euros MXGP, for the weekend. MXGP, right, yeah. MXGP. MXGP is a thousand euros for, for the weekend. Um, and let's say there's 23 established GP stars on the uh, line. Possibly um, a rider's not going to want to, like what you just said, Lewis is going to like wander around in 24th, uh, not being seen. EMX uh, Open, 300 euros. So 700 euros cheaper. Uh, it's a great place to put yourself into the limelight. Dan Thornhill, we've seen for the last couple of years, has used it to, to perfection. Um, it's given his team uh, cap screens, Yamaha, he's, you know, a lot of uh, exposure on TV. So um, I think it's, it's a great move. EMX, for, uh, EMX Open, uh, Lewis, you've already said previously, um, it should be, uh, whatever country you're in, it should be inundated with those championship riders from that country, hey? Yeah, it basically needs to be the British Championship, the French Championship. Like, it basically needs to look like that. Yeah, I, I think. agree. It's it's a, it's a great move, and and there might be sort of twenty riders that actually see themselves as competing in the whole series because it is cheap. At Pwaz zero seven zero six, assuming he has screws, why is Hurling's injury taking longer than others he's had? Well, this is a different injury, so like it's taking longer because it's a different injury. That's like breaking your finger and saying why is it taking longer than the broken leg? It's a different kind of severity. Heel is not something to mess around with. The heel is something that is quite serious. Well, not serious, but like it can be something that bugs you for the rest of your life, I, I believe, from what I've heard from people who have done a similar injury. So rightfully so, he's not rushing it. There's no way that Hurling should be back yet. He broke his heel five weeks ago. It might not even be that yet. It might still be four weeks ago. So like, there's absolutely no way that you can say that it's taking a long time. If anything, I believe he's still on crutches as well. So it's going to be a while. May or June, I believe we'll see him back. But yeah, that question just confused me at Teesden Mulder who improved the most I mean, you have to say Lagenfelder aren't you yeah easily well that was easy yeah to, to, for where he came from last year to where he is now yeah at Greg Wilcox 28 any plans for your 100th podcast special guest me and James started conversations about the 100th podcast last night we will not be revealing anything until oh wow oh wow it is big no, because I don't want to promise anything that doesn't happen. So, yeah. Got to do something. 100th podcast. Got to be, it's got to be some sort of changing. It's got to be some sort of big step, hasn't it? Can't I can't believe that. we've made 100. That's ridiculous. I know, it kind of annoys me a bit. Why? Because I kind of want... I kind of thought things would be different at this point. What, that I'm still here? <laughs> well, just everything. Like, just... <laughs> 100 still here. Oh, that is mental, isn't it? So the, I think literally anybody who's new to this podcast, um, you have to understand I was never, ever supposed to be on the podcast. Like ever. Like literally, uh, like five other people were supposed to be on this podcast before I was even thought about. Literally, I was the, the pretty much the last option we had, wasn't it, Lewis? 
Well, the only option we had, not last, the only one. Yeah, it was the only one left. So I've technically it was I not the only one it. left. The only option. Yeah, the only there option. No, yeah. There is no other option. No. So, um, and I'm still here, um, much to Lewis's uh, annoyance. So Lewis has tried to go on every other podcast show in the world. Um, he's even tried to like make up new podcast shows, everything to get away from this podcast show. However, you, the people, um, are just amazing and just keep making Lewis's um, uh, worst day uh, repeat itself 100 times. So thank you. Um, you've done a better job than I've ever done. If you so, want an um, alternative podcast with more Lewis, um, RacerX have started an MXGP review show after every GP, and I'm on that as well. <laughs> so if you want more Lewis... Yeah, I mean, literally, uh, if you switch on to anything to do with motocross in a moment, you're going to get more Lewis. I mean, Lewis it's is what you call... like I've dropped a single. I've dropped, <laughs> I've dropped a new album and I'm on a promotional tour. Yeah, yeah. Lewis is what we call now in the industry a podcast whore. Um, so uh, first he was a website whore. Now he is a podcast whore. So um, yeah, he's just whoring himself out all around the world. I was on the Racer X podcast this week, Pulp last night, and then I'm on the studio show this mm. weekend, if you want more, Lewis. Anyway, and I'd just Proud, like to apologize yeah, to on, James. What did we talk all, about? all what did the we talk MX about? Vice visitors who have literally come into the website the last couple of weeks and seen that there's fuck all been done. Uh, this is because Lewis is too busy uh, promoting other platforms. So thank you for personal. What did we talk about? At Cal hey? Crossland 26, biggest shock working back at MXGP. Hmm. Hmm. So if it'd be a shock, kind of like just same as normal. It kind of honestly, it felt like the season from last year had never ended. Yeah, like it kind of felt like round twenty-one of the twenty twenty-one MXGP series. I'm trying to think of a good shock, but I think it was a lot of riders were aggressive towards me. One rider said, "I'm the tumor of MXGP." That was that was amazing. I was there for that, that moment. Was a shock. Um, that was a shock to the system. I felt. Yeah, very I I feel like that. I feel what what's happened, Lewis is um. You were over in America, big in America up so much that uh, actually, uh, I think that MXGP riders felt disrespected. I think that's the common consensus uh, um, around the paddock is that they feel disrespected because you were like, oh, America's great. Oh, I'm just, it's my second nationality, blah, 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 MXGP shit, da, 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 da. And then you come back and expect everybody to kiss your ass. Actually everyone, actually, everyone I spoke to said, why did you come back? You should have just stayed. We would have if we were you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, don't think that, I don't think they were being polite. Oh. Which current GP rider would do the best in AMA Supercross? I strongly believe Lagenfelder will be the next GP rider to go to America. Would he do the best right now? Eh, Prado? Geyser? Probably not Geyser. Prado? Probably go Prado. I think Geyser would be a better Supercross rider than Prado. I don't know, it'd be scarier, that's for sure. <laughs> I still think it'd be better. Yeah, I think you said that we were talking Sunday, uh, Pit Lane, and you said, uh, stamp it now. He's the, next, he's the next export. Matt Bowen, 56. Does the MX250 class need a point-out rule to encourage MX2 gate numbers with age caps removed and MX2 also having a point-out rule? Which kind of discussed that. I believe now... EMX125, 19 age rule, straight to, EM, uh, straight to MX2, and then MX2 can stick with its 23 age rule, or it can go to 24 if they really want to. That's what I reckon should happen, because really, what is EMX250 doing other than delaying riders hitting the MX2 class? I tell you what, why don't we, on that note, just take the top six of the MX2 
MX2 and make him go to MXGP because that's the only class that matters. We'll do that as well. God, we're stupid. Can we not just find that people would have? I think you're. I think you're fine. MX2 to twenty-five. I think you're fine that people agree with what I'm saying. I don't think they will. If if you agree with what Lewis is saying, literally you have EMX one two five, and then you go to MX two. Please let us know on social media um, at Lewis Phillips. Have you got an underscore on the end, or is it underscore before? Remember at the beginning of the podcast what we talked about? You were doing very well, and we're suddenly something's clicked, and you're going backwards a little bit. Just FYI. No, it's just anyway. Uh, Lewis, you can find him on Twitter. Yeah, people know where they can find me. This is episode 95. At Mark Deruva. What do you... I like how I said Mark Deruva and you immediately shut up because you're like, oh, Mark? Oh, what's this? At Mark Deruva. What do you think are the Aussies' chances with Beaton and the Lawrence brothers at MXON? It's going to be a bloody good team. Strong. That's a Hunter strong Hunter on a team. 450. The nation... I hope the nations works out how it should. Like, I hope there's not a lot of injuries and I hope everyone wants to do it and I hope everyone can do it and I hope... Every, like. I hope it works out exactly as it should. I really hope that something doesn't, there isn't a lot of injuries. Like there isn't, like right now, for instance, the Netherlands would be limping in. The Netherlands basically wouldn't be a factor. France wouldn't be a factor. To be honest, right now, Australia would probably be the favourites because Hunter, Jet, and Jed are all healthy. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like if I hope that none of that impacts it. I, I kind of, at this point in the moment, I, I kind of just want to fast forward to donations. That's how excited I am. I mean, okay. I mean, shouldn't whistle, you shouldn't wish away time, James. At Chris United 93, the MXGP class has storylines story to follow this year despite two contenders being out. Tim going for his fifth title, Prado being a team leader, Sewer Mr. Consistent, but now aggressive and a strong rookie trying to make a statement after winning the MX2 crown. So it may not be that bad, question mark? <laughs> that makes me laugh. It's just like we're really we're at that point where everyone's just really trying to put a positive spin on this. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it's going to be good. Prado, Sewer, and Geyser should have a good battle for this championship. I mean, if Geyser wins again this weekend, then I'm going to start to edge myself towards the panic button. But apart from that, yeah. Oh, this is a better one from Christian United ninety three. What is with all this? What is what's with all the rocks and chat at Matterley in the pits? What's happening? So. My last week in America, I started getting asked a lot and text a lot about, have you heard of Roxon wants to go and do GPs? A lot of tech. So much that I was like, well, bloody hell, where's all this come from? So I asked around, did, and basically everyone in GPs has heard the same rumor. So that's obviously gone around like wildfire. Basically, I asked around, and Roxon has said to people that he would like to do a year of GPs before he retires to show his family what he did before he went to America, travel the world, blah, blah, blah. Which would be cool, obviously. That'd be nice for everyone, us, everyone. It'd be great. Will it happen? Eh, nothing officially has been spoken about. Like, I asked HRC and they said nothing's even come up to them. So it's not like, it's not like this is being searched out for next year or anything. But it is something that apparently he said he wants to do. I believe he has said, because I believe the source on that. Also, I got told by another source, someone different, but when Roxon came back between Anaheim 1 and round 2, remember on his story, he was in Denmark. He was, in, he was connecting in Denmark, I got told. He was going to a doctor in another country and he was doing a treatment that another rider has done at a similar time frame. And this rider said that the treatment makes you feel really shit for like a month. And this rider said, so that's why Roxon's been struggling. I hear that, well, they said, I bet. That's why Roxon's been struggling. 
because of treatment he came over and done, it doesn't just like, it's not something that just makes you feel good immediately. Like it, make, it takes it, it basically drains you for like a month. So, wow, made sense. And this, yeah, because this, this rider said they spoke to the same doctor. Well, they used the same doctor. So the doctor was telling them about Roxon because they went in like two days later or something. So, yeah, interesting wow. lot of. So we could see a resurge in Roxon back soon. Well, I don't know, to be honest, because after Minneapolis was a bit better, he said. And then he was strong in qualifying at Arlington. So I actually thought to myself, like, oh, wow, this is actually working out. And then Arlington was just a dumpster fire. So I don't know at this point. But yeah. A dumpster. A dumpster you are fire. So American. Dumpster fire is a popular saying. So American. At Schwickster 420, is the 20 riders on the gate really a problem when EMX Open exists, which had 43 guys total? I mean, would you, why would a guy like Boutron want to fight for P20 in MXGP when he can go 1-1 in EMX Open? Oh, well, don't need to answer that, but that's exactly what I said, Schwickster. So there you go. Uh, interestingly, uh, before the weekend before uh, it was cancelled, there was over 60 riders entered for EMX Open. I think it was 80. I think it was 81 or something. Really? 81? Um, Jesus. I'm pretty sure. Uh, we've answered yeah. that. We've answered that. Last one at Anderson Podcast. Heard you on Pulp, Lewis. We're having a few issues getting tracks in some co- some countries. Uh, talking about the Netherlands, there. What will it take to get a USGP back within the USA? Also, what is the MXGP brass feelings on World Supercross series? We'll get to World Supercross after the break. I don't know. There really is no talk about going to, uh, going to America. You know how normally you hear little rumors about, um, oh yeah, this track or this track's shown interest. Oh yeah. Like for instance, I know that in front went and inspected Bergham in the Netherlands to potentially host a GP because that rumor went around. But you don't hear stuff like that about America. You don't hear that, oh, in front are talking to Millville. Oh, in front, yeah, in front of sending emails with Southwick. Like you don't hear it. Which makes me think that we're no, we're not really getting any closer to going back to America. It's been long enough now where having a USGP would feel like an all new thing. I kind of can't remember what it's like having a USGP. So maybe like, it'd be quite a cool thing to go back to. I mean, there is a TBA before Redbud, so if there's ever a time to have a USGP, it seems like that would be it. But I, I think now, now this year would be a, a good time. I think uh, more and more we've we've seen with our stats across all our platforms that um, more Americans are interested uh, and watch MXGP racing. So I think if there's ever a good time to do this, this year would be great. I mean, obviously, they're going to see uh, many of them in, in the nations, and hopefully they will travel to Redbud. But um, a USGP would be very cool. That wraps up. Liat, ask us anything. feel like we did enough questions there. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide, and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit, an affordable combo. The 4.5 jersey and pants. The 4.5 enduro jersey and pants. And the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is so much to consider. There is an advanced range of moto helmets for 2022 too, including the 9.5 carbon, 8.5 composite, 7.5 and 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colors to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5 and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear now on liat.com. Before we go to an ad and begin our final section, who was your biggest disappointment in MX2, James? No one really stood out, to be honest. Um, if I was being highly critical, then I would say, say um, 
No, I was going to say Mattia. Uh, Guadagini. But um, like you say, um, you kind of found out, you know, like from, from him basically saying he starts a little bit slow in... Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He but was never really... Actually, I'm going to save that for the Planet Motor Bombshell. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I say Conrad Muse, just because I think everyone at least expect. I think people had high hopes of a podium, a top five, maybe even a win. I think everyone at least expected a top ten. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a difficult race, uh, a difficult weekend for him. I didn't spend that much time with him over on, on the Sunday, so I didn't get to understand that why he wasn't in the top 10. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, I don't know what, like, what happened on the day and stuff like that. I, I, I was so busy, flat out, kind of like um, working. I didn't really get a chance to sort of do my usual hospitality coffees, which was a bit disappointing in the weekend. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think at the end of the day, um, it's a testament to him and the team just actually... Uh, getting a bike and getting everything um, literally to a point where they actually had something to ride. Um, I think like they, I think they've done well within, what, four weeks um, to get everything sorted. Uh, I think that's basically all they had. Um, and I think they're still looking for, for you know, a few missing parts uh, for sponsors um, to come on board. So Disappointed. I think in one way he's probably going to be disappointed with the results. Uh, another thing he's going to be pleased that he's able to um, be racing this year. Um, so I think is, there's more to come. There's more to come. Disappointment-wise, looking, looking down, I think... Um, it's fine. We don't have to answer. I mean, I feel like you've been going on about this for like 20 minutes. Yeah, don't feel sorry. the pressure to really... Like, don't, feel like, no. don't feel pressure to really go for it. Like, it's fine if you don't have one. No, I don't think I do. I, don't, I, I think everybody's, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. It is bring what on, it is. Bring on round two. That's part two of the MX5 show wrapped up. The Prospect Goggle from Scott Sports is the culmination of over 50 years of experience producing goggles for the off-road and MX market. Used by an ever-growing list of champions, the Prospect Goggle has everything you need to ensure your vision is the best that it can be. With perfected features such as a no-sweat face foam, a maximum field of vision, the Scott Lens Lock system, articulating outriggers, and more, the super stylish Prospect Goal has been engineered to defend your vision, no matter how extreme the conditions get. When the mud starts spraying, simply install a 50mm works film system and have an instant advantage over the competition. The Prospect is available with standard, light-sensitive, and now the new amplifier lens options. Amplifier-injected lenses provide improved definition and optical clarity, allowing you to see contours and transitions in the dirt like never before. Get yours now at your local dealer or online at scott-sports.com. And of course, thank you, Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, discount code MXVICE, all caps, one word, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, the Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. We'll be back in just a little bit to talk Planet Motor Bombshell. I've got two, World Supercross, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening. See you in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, 
or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 95 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Quick break there, and we're straight back into this thing. Lots to talk about, you see. Uh, thank you, Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is the final part of the MXY show, so sad. And it is brought to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Obviously, everyone was very impressed with both Jed Beaton and Kevin Horgmo at the weekend. Both of those riders rely on Prox to get themselves to the next level. They're not on a factory team, but they can compete with the factory teams thanks to Prox and using the exact Prox products that you yourself can fetch at pro-x.com now. That's pro-x.com. So, James, World Supercross, did you read the announcement? No, but you told me, so I cheated. So, 250 grand prize money each round, 50 million of uh, a support fund for the teams over five years, so 10 million a year to pay for freight, expenses, all of that sort of stuff. Starting with a five-round championship this year from September to November, and then next year, it'll be like a pilot series, and then next year, the plan is to go bigger and start in the summer after AMA Supercross. So effectively, clash with GPs and clash with AMA Nationals. Thoughts? I, I'm not going to lie, I laughed this thing off at first, but that <laughs> announcement has made me go, huh. Yeah, uh, when, when you dropped this bombshell on me, I was like, oh wow, they're, they're not playing at this. This is, this, is, this is good. Like, really, really good. The fact that they got support in there for the teams, uh, they have a long-term uh, you know, vision for this. I, I, where the hell are they getting £10 million from? Like, it's, an abu- uh, it's not, it's £50 million. Yeah, but uh, yeah, 10 million a year, 50 million over five years. But I'm just interested in, in how this is all put together because it's like, wow, crazy. It's, um, it's uh, an Abu Dhabi investor. I can tell you the name right now. Let me pull up the email again. It is, where's the name of it? It's something like Mombobom. Mombabala. Mombadala. Mombadala Investment Company. Right. Mubadala Capital, the, the asset management arm of Mubadala Investment Company, a, sovor- a s- sovereign? So- sovereign? Sovereign. 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 A sovereign invest- investor with $243 billion in assets under management brings a wealth of experience in funding the development of global business and sports venues. There is a massive fan base and untapped demand for Supercross outside of the United States and backed by the financial sport and significant resource of Mubadala capital, we intend to feed that, bringing the sport to new regions through the most exciting and lucrative World Championship Series in the history of the sport, said the director. Yeah, uh, definitely Planet Bombshell of the Week because... Do you reckon Mubadala would give me some money? Uh, no, because as soon as he'd oh. meet you, he'd think you're such a knob. 
Seems like they got some money to throw around, so I thought it was worth putting it out there. If Mubba Dollar out there and they want to sponsor, screw the podcast. If you want to sponsor me personally, I'll give you title sponsorship of my life, if you like, for a meal. For I'll a walk meal. around. Yeah, t- like, uh, when what I are introduce you a myself. To- <laughs> what, I'll, what I'll do is when I introduce myself to people, I'll say, hi, I'm Lewis Phillips, presented by Mubba Dollar. Fueled by. Yeah, whatever they want. I'll even change my name to Mubba Dollar, Mubba Dollar, if they like. This, this I would do anything seriously from... going downhill. Anyway, you would literally do for anything for power and money, wouldn't you? Power and money. I don't know what you're talking about. So I heard five round series this year. I heard the goal is two in Oceania, one in Asia, one in the Americas, South America, potentially North America, and then one in Europe, which I heard they're talking to Cardiff in the UK, which obviously Cardiff uh, used to have a UK Supercross back in the day. I remember going there when I was younger. So yeah, I, this, it's, this announcement has shaken everything up. Now we need to see a schedule and then things get real. This announcement has definitely caught attention. Everyone will be talking about it this weekend in both MXGP and Daytona. I almost guarantee that. Now we yeah. need to see a schedule. Once we see a schedule, then this gets real. But now, at the moment, we don't have a schedule, so it's still like a, it's still a hypothetical discussion, really. Like, okay, they've got money, but they don't even know where, we don't even know where we've got to go and race. Do you reckon they'll pay for my flights? What um, I'm interested in is, is what manufacturers are going to be supporting this. Because yeah, but this is, you didn't read the announcement. This isn't their goal. They don't want factory teams. Basically, they went to America, met with a load of te- factory teams, and basically got told to go away. So their business model now is to find 10. It's basically going to be like Formula One, where there will be 10 teams with four riders each, two 450s and two 250s. And those 10 teams will be the teams. So there won't be, oh, an 11th team wants to come along and race. No, no. You're either in the 10 team group who gets like, oh, you're not, if you get me. Do you get me? Yeah. Okay. So, like, like a Formula One where, to like Formula One where like there are 10 teams and there are new teams that want to join, but they have to take the spot of one of the other teams. So, technically, it's going to be what's the from what's America? Satellite teams. Yeah. Motor concepts. A team like, I don't think a team like Rocky Mountain would do it, but a team like Rocky Mountain, maybe. Uh, SGB Honda, maybe. I don't think any European teams will do it, but I'm sure there will be a French team. Oh, yeah, there's going to be French, Australian, team. and American teams. That would basically, maybe a German team as well. I can bet, I would, I would bet there will be Roxon, Musquin, Wilson, Brayton, and I think those will be your top four guys in that series. Why do you think Roxon will be doing it? Because I think he's on his way out and this is a great opportunity to race less and make more money and still, like, it's basically like a way to keep... It's basically a way to, to take a step back from the insane motocross and supercross schedule whilst also still racing and doing something cool and new. Same for Musquin, on his way out. Same, same, same. Same for Brayton. Same for Wilson, who... I mean, Wilson's probably one or two years away from retiring, so same, same. So, so you're... So he wins, he's going to be called a world supercross champion. Yeah. So what, what's more prestigious than an MA supercross champion or a world supercross champion? Okay, you've missed a point, James. In that list, did I say prestige at any point? Just saying I could do a European series, couldn't I? But maybe like a... I don't know. My point being, Roxon, like Roxon and Musquin are getting to the point now where they are thinking about retirement. 
obviously, I think it's quite obvious that while they're sat around the table, they'll go, well, instead, well, you know what? I do feel still quite good. I do feel quite good still. So instead of just retiring next year, why don't I just go and do this World Supercross Championship? There's only 10 races. I get to see the world, do a bit of traveling and make a shit ton of money by the looks of it. It's, a, it's going to be a weaker field. So that's, that's, a, little bit, that's a little less, it's a little a step towards an easier life. Like, I don't think Roxon's probably having an easy life at the moment. <laughs> no, I don't think it's easy for him. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you didn't, you, you disagreed with my, um, you disagreed with my EMX theory. You disagreed with my World Supercross theory. Are you ready for another one? Well, hit me. It's third time lucky. Hold on. Here is your Planet Moto bombshell of the week. <laughs> what a cheery, what a cheery way of doing it. It's like become like a, t- a children's TV show. <laughs> Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better and you can still experience that right now and you can still make plans for the future right now planet moto still have packages available plus customizable options with a planet moto academy basically if you're we're probably getting to the point where you're going to probably want to start thinking about the next winter truthfully you can go to spain ride with planet Moto, ride with planet moto holidays or you can invest in a planet moto academy invest yourself i mean and basically have an all-inclusive training experience with Planet Moto with the correct gym, the correct tracks, the correct facilities, everything you need. There is a lot going on at Planet Moto, quite clearly. Get involved and hit tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible by visiting Planet Moto Holidays on social media or planetmoto.co. So, my Planet Moto bombshell of the week is... I don't know if Matt Lee Bazin is that good. Oh, my God. I'm out. (laughs) I am leaving this podcast. I'm not making it to 100. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am not staying on this sinking ship. (laughs) No, okay. Uh, That's that's a harsher way of putting it. Matley Basin is a phenomenal place. It looks incredible. It's an amazing track. Amazing jumps. Amazing conditions. (laughs) Amazing dirt. Great. Amazing everything. (laughs) <laughs> Where are you going? It looks amazing. If if Carlsberg did motocross tracks, that oh, would be it. Do you know what? Oh, this girl, she's blonde, you know. However, she's super hot. However, just amazing body, great personality. Yeah, however. On. Yeah. However, I feel like the dirty little secret about Matley is that the racing is never that good. Now, I know the racing was good at the weekend. I realize that. However, (laughs) this is strong. This is strong. It's like going to court and going, I know that my client is accused of murder and I know that they were caught with blood on their hands. However, 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 (laughs) yeah, this this is a really good conversation. Please carry on. I know this eyewitness witnessed the murder and has a photo of my client committing said act. I would, However, lo- I would love a role reversal on this because you would absolutely no, be let me finish. One. Let me finish. Okay. However, the dirty little secret about Matley is that the racing isn't really that good ever. I feel that the track flows so well that it's hard for make people to make up time and really you just get follow the leader a lot. And you know what? I put this to some riders and they agree with me. Of course they did. I almost feel like we should go back to the old Matley layout, which was a bit slower in spots and a little bit more technical in spots. Like, um, and I feel like that maybe would make some better racing. I don't know. 
I just feel like if you look through history, Matt doesn't always give us people charging through the field. Look at Mattia Guadagnini. That was what I, that was what I alluded to earlier. Look at Mattia Guadagnini. He had poor starts and kind of didn't go anywhere. And I feel like that might be a, a caused by Matley, you know? Yeah, the same could be said for Harrop, who has shown really good pace, but was only able to get through to about 10th or was it 7th in race 2 or something. But he was coming from the back both times, wasn't he? He ended lap 1 in ninth and finished 8th. Okay. Maybe, that was, <laughs> maybe it was the... Uh, the qualifying race on the Saturday, I'm thinking. Well, let of. me check the other moto. In the other moto, he he ended the first lap in tenth and finished seventh. Mm. Maybe made seven <laughs> passes on the first lap. Well, the first lap is obviously its own thing. I'm not saying Matley's a bad place, and it's a fantastic place to have a GP. And truthfully, we don't have a better track in Britain. However, I'm just saying that I feel like a dirty little secret about the place is that the race is that it doesn't really lend itself to amazing racing. I just think you need to keep your comments to yourself now. After listening to that absolute rubbish, if that was the best thing you could come for, I reckon Planet Mer would be pulling their, uh, their literally their freaking advertising budget as we speak. If that is the best you could come out, if that was, if I came out with that, you would be having a right old rumpus on here. No, because I, I would be like, yes, James. Funnily enough, I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> you would not. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, obviously I think that, so why would I disagree with it? No way, no way. You're, I just you, said it. You must be doing this for the clicks. You're clickbaiting our, oh, our visitors. Well, go to the post-race podcast. I asked Ben and Prado this. Mm. Fantastic track. Everyone will say it's their favorite track. Favorite track to race? Maybe not. Favourite track to ride and favourite track to race on are very different things. Uh, you're just going to bag on about Spain now, aren't you? No. Although I have sold a couple of Spanish GP tickets in the last week to people who have asked for my advice on where to go. Of course you have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mall's amazing. Uh, to, be uh, fair, Spain, to be fair, Spain is going to be a very good GP this year because Prado is going to be healthy, which he wasn't last year. Prado is riding a Gas Gas, which is a Spanish brand heritage. I feel like that might make a massive storm in Spain. Can you, I feel like, the, like last year the fans were insane. I feel like this year it might be another level because of the whole pra, like the Spanish connection between Prado and Gas Gas. I feel like that might step it up to a, literally the next level because I, I imagine that will be pumped on national television and ever. And it's, uh, well, imagine um, how crazy it would be if there was uh, EMX Open there with Butron. Are you going to Spain? Uh, I believe I am, yeah. Okay, if you are, you're not allowed to stay in the same hotel as me, the same rental car, or get on the same flight as me, because I'm not having you ruin my Spain experience. <laughs> I see the reason I'm going. I literally refuse to have my, my, my one glimmer of hope in the European season ruined by you. Uh, race, uh, literally round one, and we're right next to a mall. That's all you need to know. So where is our hotel positioned? Next what are you want to a mall? Oh. Yeah, and, and how convenient was getting dinner for you, James? <laughs> well, it depends on what takeaway you wanted. Uh, that's not true, is it, James? That's not quite true. You tried getting a dinner, you tried getting a table at a steakhouse, but you were too late. No, they come back to me and you wanted to go for a Nando's. Wait, what? Who said that? Uh, they came back to me. It was a seven o'clock uh, uh, booking for Argento, which was a nice steakhouse. Yeah, I wanted to go to a steakhouse. Well, who told you I didn't want to? Uh, well, I, when I told everybody, it was like, oh, we're going to Nando's. Oh, I wasn't involved in that. Really? 
You're the I wasn't involved in that. I, you no, were the perpetrator. No, because I, I, I knew you wanted to. I knew you were booking a table, so I didn't even have a say in where I wanted uh, to go for dinner. Lewis kind of working from the shadows of Philip. I just left it to you. I was waiting for you to tell us where we were going for dinner, and then as soon as I found out all your stuff was booked, obviously I said like, "Oh, working what? from the shadows." Anyway, do you have? Anything else you want to talk about? Manscaped, everyone. MX Vice, code MX Vice, all caps, one word, M-X-V-I-C-E. Uh, 20% off, well, free worldwide shop shipping. Please help us out with that and order a Manscaped. And thanks to everybody who has already. Um, quite a few orders gone through. Uh, I know this because you've messaged me to say, uh, look, thanks for doing what you do. Here's, uh, I wanted one of these. I was waiting for it. And... Um, I got myself, so uh, thank you. So we we really do appreciate things like this. It just have helps. you ordered one? Uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, have, have you lawnmowers yourself yet? I um ordered one using another media, another motocross media's code a couple of months ago. Oh, of course you did. Of course so, you. Did. <laughs> unfortunately, I can't use the MX Vice code because I've already used someone else's code. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> But that's where I'm leaning on you, James. I just need you to come through for us. Wow. Wow. Did you act- and you still get paid by MX Vice, don't you? Which is <laughs> absolutely crazy. Cra- I, like to think, I like to think of myself as a roving reporter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah, we're definitely looking at the uh, wage bill this month because uh, I don't feel like we're getting the value to what we used to get. I just like to think of myself. Remember the, remember the old Lewis who wouldn't talk to anyone? Yeah, that was no, a nice Lewis, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I, I, you might as well have just taken that job in America because you're actually working for everybody else out. So it's like I'm doing this podcast, aren't I? Lewis whoring myself out, Phillips. I'm doing this podcast, aren't I? <sighs> Jeez, yeah, only because you can host it. I, I'm sure if Mathis let you hosted the Pulp MX show, you'd be on that. You'd be on that every week as well. You'd be like, ah, oh, who's MX Vice? I say that unbelievable. Now. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, every time, every time I walk around a paddock now, I walked up to everyone in Matley and I shook their hand and I went, hi, I'm Lewis Phillips from Lewis Phillips Media. Yeah. Twat. <laughs> Got anything else to say, James? No, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's, it's good. That was a good podcast. I can't tell if we've said, I can't, I can't tell if we've said everything or not. Yeah. I feel like there's stuff to say still, but I can't think what. No. No. We're all At good. the moment, it looks like you're going to Mantova. Yep. Yep. Uh, definitely going to Mantova. Just got to order. Uh... I don't know if I'd say Definitely. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, flights booked, hotels booked, uh, cars booked. We're all good. We just got to do PCR. Um, I'm taking my daughter. Um, Which means no Lewis and James time. Aww. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, my daughter has autism. Uh, and just want to thank uh, Monster Energy for supplying tickets and for Infront for being so awesome in uh, and allowing her to uh, participate in the media room. So huge thank you. I feel like there's something I was meant to say on this podcast that I've completely forgotten, like something I saw. Hold on, I actually made notes over the weekend for the MX Vice podcast. Okay, while you're doing that, I want to thank Ben Watson, uh, Kevin Strybos, Mitch Evans, Jed Beaton, uh, Comrade Muse, uh, for spending some time with uh, a kid called Roman Belairs, who has got a degenerative eye uh, disorder. Um, it's a rider that we sponsor. It's only just happened over the last year. Um, they found out uh, the diagnosis for his eyes. And um, he had a wish list of all the riders that he wanted to meet over the GP weekend. And I just want to thank those riders for um, just taking the time and being awesome. Um, I think Mitch Evans has got a, a shirt sorted for him and stuff like that. So 
they didn't have to do it. They, uh, some of them were actually eating dinner, seeing me came out. Um, so just wanted to say uh, a huge thank you. And it just goes to show how good these guys are, you know, around the racing weekends to spend the time with uh, Roman. He uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and it stayed in his memories for a long time. Good guys. All right. Well, I think that does wrap up episode 95 of the MX Show podcast. Cool. 95, episode Justin Starling. Oh, Hunter Lawrence next. Thank you to Prox Racing Parts for presenting the final part of the MXY Show podcast. They supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard, state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Thank you to Fly Racing. You saw... Isaac gifting Kai Castmakers and Comrade Muse using Fly Racing gear and the Fly Racing Formula helmet over the weekend. Thank you to Liat, uh, Kevin Hogmo, Jed Beaton using the Liat gear and Hogmo was in Liat boots. Scott Sports, Lagenfelder used his clear vision to stand atop the podium using Scott Sports. And like I say, the sum was low. It was super important. Rentful, Tim Geiser, Simon Lagenfelder joined the winning world of Rentful over the weekend and Rentful swept the top six in the MXGP class. So how about that? Manscaped, MX Vice code, MX Vice, all caps, one word, M-X-V-I-C-E. Planet Moto Holidays, a lot of riders entered the GP series after making their winter preparation in Spain. You could do the same. Prox Racing Parts, F&H, Dixon, 114, all of those teams rely on Prox Racing Parts to bridge the gap between factory and satellite. Supercross Video Pass, use that to watch the remaining rounds of Supercross. I haven't actually watched Arlington yet because I've been quite busy. So I'm looking forward to that because I hear it was the what? best Supercross round ever. You've Supercross. I haven't got time, James. Some of us are quite busy. MXGP TV, use that to watch the remaining 19 rounds of the MXGP series. A lot going on on there. You get the EMX action as well. Even strokes present to you, James Burfield, whether that's a good thing or not, be, the own, be your own judge. Asterix knee braces used by Tim Geyser. He climbed atop the podium with those over the weekend. And Armour Nutrition used by Cameron McAdoo, who won the 250 class in Arlington over the weekend. Thank you to those companies for supporting the MX5 show. We hope this has been a good episode. We hope you've enjoyed episode 95. Episode 96 coming next week following a weekend in Mantova, Italy for the MXGP of Lombardia. Round two of the 2022 FIM Motocross World Championship. MX Vice will be there on site doing whatever you guys want. And as I actually say always, if you want something specific from the GP, tell me, because I will try and make it happen. An interview with a rider, want to know something, feel like a type of content would be cool, let me know. And I will make try to make that happen for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, James Burfield. Thank you, Lewis Phillips. Thanks to everyone for your support of MX Vice. We will be back next week. See ya! If Lewis isn't too busy. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. 
known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, LIAC continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free LIAC bulletproof velocity goggles, LIAC has you covered. Shop LIAC's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.